Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. We cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, conventions, travel, entertainment, and more. And you can catch us online at sknr.net. And that is the website. We also have our quarterly magazine. We're working on the March issue right now. And that'll be out at the end of the month. And, of course, following that, we also have 12 newspapers that we're a part of in Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. And that's where you see mainly our game reviews and such. And then, of course, we have my weekly radio segment on KISWFM, BJ Shea's Geek Nation, and we have the simulcast on our page, usually Fridays. Sometimes it doesn't go up until Monday, just depending on airing and syndication. And, of course, we have our weekly skewed cast and syndication, as I mentioned. And what we're going to talk about today is we have a little bit of some entertainment news, some convention news, some speculation for what's coming in the next week. We'll keep it really uh, simple this week because there was not an abundance of big topics that would lead to extended discussions. Joseph is out this week uh, dealing with uh, the time change and stuff like that back in Washington, as well as his uh, sons. So that does create a bit of a scheduling snafu when your whole day ends up being an hour earlier than expected. And I uh, wanted to start off with a new Dungeons & Dragons book coming out this week. It will be available in both the standard and the alternate cover from Wizards of the Coast. And this is Candlekeep Mysteries. And this is a uh, interesting new book of all sorts of new lore and uh, practices that you can add to the world of Dungeons & Dragons. So for those of you that are playing and for those of you who just like to collect and be up to speed on all the latest things in the universe, you will want to check that out. Now this week, we're supposed to be getting the trailer for the next update for Doom Eternal, The Ancient Gods Part Two. A teaser has leaked online already. But, Justin, you are the doom head. Uh, not that we don't all play, but you were the one that really went into ancient gods. I have no problem saying I got really frustrated with all the time jumps and the fans that were added to it. And uh, so what are you expecting for this one? Yeah, so um, I don't want to get too much into spoilers for the ancient gods part one. I know it's been out for a little while, but... Um it's kind of a unique case just because uh that dlc was just incredibly difficult um i was actually kind of surprised that um that it made it so difficult um you know my guess is most of the time dlcs are i would i would think are mostly for like general purpose um the idea being that oh, oh we want you know as many people to play this as possible but um the ancient gods part one is i would i would say just the dlc by itself was more difficult than the challenge levels um the totally optional challenge levels uh that you have to do in uh the original doom eternal to uh try to unlock like the um the uh best weapon in the game um so uh, i was surprised about that and i'm i'm curious to see if they're gonna continue that trend of it being that difficult um you know I, I liked it i thought it was a great challenge um but it it really tested me pretty hard <laughs> uh there were several parts where you know 
there was actually one part I actually did have to turn the, the difficulty down. I, I, I played on, um, not Nightmare, but the one under that. So I do play on a higher difficulty level. Um, and I, I, there was one part I did have to turn it down because it was just, it was just too, too difficult. And most people I, um, I talk to that have also played the game, they kind of concur that, that, uh, the difficulty level was just really high. Um, so I do totally get that, uh, it wasn't very accessible, I guess, um, would, would be what I, I would say, but I do, I do appreciate that, um, you know, they really kind of designed a game that really tested uh, the people who are, are kind of really into the game. Um, and it was a, con- a considerable jump in difficulty level over the uh, over the uh, the vanilla-based game. Um, with this one, uh, again, I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to... I don't think they can up the difficulty from the Ancient Gods Part 1. Uh, if they do, uh, that, that would be very, su- very surprising. Uh, and I'm not sure how they would do it because it, it really was like kind of hitting the limits there. Um, but also based just on story stuff, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but uh, I do think they're probably going to wrap up the story. Um, I'm pretty confident with that. Um, there's not really much else they could really do uh, unless there's some kind of surprises around the corner. But, uh, you know, the story of Doom has always been very simple anyway. I think they did do quite a bit to add like lore and try to make a more like a larger more interesting universe um with these new doom games starting with doom 2016 and doom eternal i think they added like a lot of uh kind of story elements that were there but you know at the the core of it it, it's doom it's just you shooting demons so there's really not a ton that they can do with it and it seems like they're kind of getting towards the limit of what they can do with the story even so i'm i'm pretty certain they're going to wrap up the uh the story here and if i'm if i remember correctly too uh one of the press releases about the ancient god part two does imply that oh this is going to wrap up the doom slayer's story so i I think we're gonna i think we're probably going to um uh see a wrap-up of the story there um you know probably a new weapon or two and uh, some new enemies of course um, and good level design, kind of expecting all that. But kind of an interesting question, if they do wrap up Doom and they kind of like put it on ice for a little bit, um, that does kind of raise some questions as to what it is going to do next. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting topic. Uh, I would love to see... Uh, they've talked in the past about returning to Quake, uh, the, the first Quake game, like the, the setting from, from that game. Um, I think that would be pretty interesting, uh, sort of kind of do what they did with doom 2016 but with quake uh or even um the more popular uh setting with the strog so quake 2 and quake 4 um i think that would be pretty interesting as well um so there's there's some there's some ideas there um i I think that uh they have a really strong team behind these doom games uh they're very well designed i think and um i'm really interested to see what they do next and michael your take please yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I didn't play through the ancient gods, but I, but I've heard about the difficulty level, and I'm okay with that as long as you know. My biggest problem with games that have are difficult for difficult sake and don't have the ability for you to kind of tune it down to make it more accessible. I think you know, and again, that kind of goes back to some of the Dark Souls games. You know, some people will get turned off by those, not just because of the difficulty, but just because there's no way to adjust the difficulty to make it more accessible to people who don't 
like that difficulty level. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I mean, more Doom is always a good thing. Um, they've done, you know, the, that, that whole franchise since the reboot has been, you know, phenomenal. It's all the fast-paced gunplay that everybody expects from Doom. Um, what I would like to see, you know, if if they're going to wrap up the Doom Slayer um, story arc here, it would be real. I would agree that I think Quake would be a good place to return to. I mean, that we've seen the new Quake Two with the RTX update, um, playing around with some of that. Uh, maybe some of this is just um, some way to whet people's appetite for a new Quake game. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. And again, I think. Um, it's long overdue, in my opinion. I think, well, then, then Quake Arena, which obviously was was fun, but I think the last, I think Quake Four was the last um, true Quake story based game, if I'm not mistaken, and that was released on 360 initially. So, um, so yeah, I think going back to Quake and that whole storyline, story arc, from, specifically from Quake Two, uh, would be a really interesting thing to to go to. So I would I would be very excited if that was going to be their next project uh, maybe they're coming up with something entirely new some new ip that we're not even aware of um yeah i think i think this is not going to be the last we've seen of the doom franchise either it'll just be a question of are they going to put this on ice for a bit and return to it later and do something that's you know different uh and kind of move in that direction so yeah i'm excited to see the trailer and i'm really excited to see what are on the agenda you know next I think the biggest issue is, as, as Justin pointed out, the difficulty was just ridiculous. Uh, was able to get through the game, and yes, the the core game had a lot of frustrations in terms of chime jumps. I was not playing with the gamepad. I was using the mouse and keyboard, and then, you know, when you have to do a jump uh, over and over and over again, and it's literally a split-second thing of, am I hanging in the air enough and hitting the boost at exactly the right fraction of a second to complete? But it was able to be done after, you know, I found on multiple times that there were things that were a problem that if I just stopped and stepped away from it, the next time I came back in, I was able to complete it within two or three tries. And that was not the case with the new one. They this adding the fan was just ridiculous where you'd be out there in the air and you'd have to take a shot at this thing and then hope that you could coast in enough, grab it and then move on out of its range before it came on. And while I appreciate that they were adding an extreme level of difficulty, I think back to some games where they would give you the option that, hey, you know what, you goofed up on this thing five times, ten times, do you want us, and it would automatically throttle it down unless you told it specifically, hey, don't do it, or some would even say, hey, you know, why don't we advance you to the next checkpoint or something like that. Because you run the risk of people just saying, I've died 20-something times in a row. This is not going to happen for me. I'm out of here. And then they just rage quit, delete the thing. And it makes it harder for people to go back to the franchise, even though there will be the curiosity of this. And, of course, you can kind of bet you probably won't be allowed to go into Part 2 unless you complete Part 1. So unless part of it is that they come in with the the add-on and then say, oh, by the way, we're going to give you the option to lower down or have some kind of assist for the part, the first part, which I don't see them doing. Uh, that being said, it'll be very interesting to see where they go next. And that goes into our next topic in that now that Bethesda has formally been approved to be part of the Xbox family or Microsoft, uh, they've talked about uh, obviously Deathloop and Tokyo Ghost is, uh, um, they have deals in place with PlayStation, 
but it has come out that they have said that, yes, going forward, you will likely see some uh, Microsoft exclusives, meaning Xbox and PC. A lot of people have immediately said, okay, well, we're looking at Elder Scrolls Six, we're looking at Starfield. Um, and going from there, there's some talk that this Thursday we may have a, uh, that we're supposed to have an Xbox showcase and that they will be taking part of it. So, Michael, um, we talked about this before we started. What's your take on this plan and what do you think they might uh, announce? Well, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be too surprising um, for a lot of folks. I mean, I, we don't know if these exclusives are going to be timed exclusives or if they're going to be um, regular exclusives. You know, you know that's I think one of the things that Microsoft was I don't want to say hoping for, but it was one of the things that we kind of expected when they acquired Bethesda is that this was going to help strengthen their Xbox slash PC lineup. And one of the things I think we we need to remember is when they're talking about exclusives, they're not talking about Xbox exclusives. They're talking about Xbox PC exclusives. Um, the other thing I think people tend to forget is the beauty of this is if you have Xbox Game Pass. Um, you're getting these exclusive titles for free at launch. That's one of the things Microsoft and, and Bethesda have already stated. Um, so I, I don't think that's you know too much of a surprise. And, and honestly, you know, if Sony had acquired Bethesda, they'd be doing the exact same thing. So anybody who says that you know you know Sony wouldn't you know that Sony would have been, would have been better for this, so they would they would look to do the same thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I but I don't know. I, I I don't believe that every Bethesda game launch is going to be exclusive only to Xbox and PC. Um, will there be a timed exclusive launch? Likely. Um, but I think there's just too much um, too much interest across the, the space to, to make it exclusive forever. Uh, but again, we might see a year-long exclusive for things like the next Elder Scroll, um, you know, any of the next um, ESO stuff. I mean, any of that stuff might be exclusive to um, Xbox and PC at launch, but we would probably see that come, you know, down down the pipe. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm not surprised by this at all. Um, and honestly, it's again, it's 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 part of the game. You know, I think that exclusives as a whole hurt the gamers. They don't help the gamers in any way. Um, so I think the move to get away from exclusives across platforms is a better idea. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I don't. I'm I've never been one to say. Yeah, I understand exclusives sell consoles, but that's only helping benefit the companies that are selling consoles. For gamers, it's always a loss. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we'll, like I said, we'll see what this is, if it becomes a timed exclusive thing or, or what, what the case happens to be. The nice thing, though, is if you have a PC, um, you don't need to go out and buy an Xbox to play these titles. Um, and with the rise that, you know, PC gaming, is, I think, is beginning to overtake console gaming to some degree now. Um, I think that's probably going to be a more lucrative offer for Microsoft and Bethesda anyways than, than saying that they're not going to release it on PlayStation. So yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, obviously with the showcase, I expect we'll see some more of the upcoming Elder Scroll Online um, next release. Um, I don't know that we'll hear anything more about the next Elder Scrolls game um, and probably just some of the stuff that they've been working on you know, towards launch. So it'll be interesting to see what, what they actually have on the agenda and if we get any more sneak peeks as to what's coming down the line. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Michael's uh, pretty much nailed it there that, um, you know, one, exclusives don't help gamers. I, I do agree with that. Um, but at the same time, the uh, I do think that 
I, I have some confidence that it's probably going to be somewhat similar to the one-year model that uh, <clears throat> a lot of stuff is using. So a lot of stuff will, a lot of games will release on like Epic Game Store for, for a year and then uh, we'll go on other platforms after that or, you know, Sony does this quite a bit as well. Um, you know, and it, it sucks because <laughs> there's a lot of games that uh, I want to play that are on a platform I don't have and I have to wait a year in order to do that. Um, and I think that's probably what's going to happen with this. Um, you know, it's not a huge change in the sense that, um, again, it will appear on PC. You don't have to have an Xbox. I highly, highly doubt that you're going to have to have an Xbox to play like Starfield or the next Elder Scrolls game. It will, Microsoft has been very good about you know, releasing their stuff, a lot of their stuff on PC alongside, you know, on Xbox. So I think there's a good chance that, you know, if you have a computer, which is, you know, most of us here, uh, we're, we're going to be able to play it, play the stuff the way, you know, I, I've always played the Elder Scrolls game on, on my, uh, on my computer anyway. So really won't change much for me, but I do understand that a lot of people don't really have like a big beefy video game, uh, computer, um, and they do rely on the consoles, um, and it sucks for anybody who's really kind of just focused in on on PlayStation because they're gonna probably have to wait a year in order to play uh, potentially play this game they really want to play. Um, but you know that's unfortunately the the nature of the beast there. Um, with Bethesda now being owned by Microsoft, they kind of get to call the shots there. Uh, but you know, hopefully someday we'll get to a point where you know it's not as important um, for these companies to, to maintain like year long exclusivity. Um, you know, the one way I can kind of, I can kind of look at it just from an optimist perspective is it's better than the old model where exclusives were just perpetual. So it used to be that, um, you know, a game would release on like PlayStation two or something or, or like PlayStation three even, uh, or Xbox 360, and that's where it just it stayed. I mean, it was very rare for stuff to be cross-platform uh, unless it launched on multiple platforms. Um, occasionally, you'd have a game that was popular would get ported back to computer at a later date, and but even then, that those had problems because they were usually done by uh, not the original company and usually by a third party, and usually, you know, there were a bunch of issues with it. So um, in the long run, I think it's kind of going in the right direction but it's still kind of an issue i think the key to it too is like you said the timed release because the fact is the playstation 5 is selling extremely well and you don't want to alienate a potential um well a potential uh, large source of income but how do you leverage your advantage? Well, you do just that. You put it out and say, hey, for the first three months, six months, a year, it's going to be available only on PC and um, Xbox consoles. And then you go from there and see what happens. So it will be interesting to see what the uh, larger picture for this comes out. And if they do indeed have the showcase this week, you know, I, I do think it's too early for Starfield or Elder Scrolls Six. I do think the earliest we might get any details on that would be uh, if they are taking part in the digital E3, which is planned for June. We'll probably get 
a good amount of information from there. But of course, these are companies that have always been very big on announcing the things when they're ready. And of course, there's this you know huge debate that we don't need to go into between companies. Do they now say, are we as obligated to have content for the June timeframe as we used to, or can we just do it whenever we want? Um, you know, go figure. That's a that's an argument for another day. The other thing I wanted to mention briefly before we go into our last big topic for the day is that The Boys has proven to be a big success for Amazon Prime. The third season is in production, and now reports are that a spinoff is very close to being put into reality, and this will involve an academy set up by Void Industries where uh, up-and-coming superheroes basically learn their chops and of course it will have all the violent sex intrigue and such that the series is known for so uh real quick justin what do you think too much or is this uh something that i think will be a good companion uh it's that's a good question i'm not 100 percent sure myself i think you know i think it really could go both ways there um i think it i'd have to kind of see how it, how it plays out yeah, and Michael, your take, please. Yeah, and I've only seen the first episode of The Boys Season 1, so I don't have a lot to comment on this. Um, other than, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, Amazon's been really good at how they've been putting out the shows and keeping things interesting. So, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, I just, With everything else, I just worry that the saturation becomes a bit much for a lot of these things, and you don't want to wear out a good thing by putting too much out. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's a very good point. Final thing to close this week is the Game Developers Conference is taking part next week, uh, taking place next week. And of course, uh, in the world we're in now, it is all virtual. And we will have events on Monday, Tuesday, and uh, through Thursday, and of course, actually, excuse me, through Friday. And it'll be a lot of showcases from obviously game developers talking about everything from inclusive uh, topics to representation to looking back on some classic uh, games as well as upcoming trends in the industry. So I guess we'll start with you, Michael, really quick. Anything that you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, I always like the GDC because it's a lot more about the programming aspects. You get to hear about world building. You get to hear about development. They kind of they kind of go into deeper details about the engines. I mean, these are definitely not for gamers for so much as it is for people who are interested in the game industry, interested in doing you know get working in the game industry, potentially working as a programmer, getting to understand how um, all these things kind of come together to make a game. So if you're looking at for um, game exclusive announcements, that sort of thing, or even hardware announcements. There's not usually a lot that comes out of GDC. It's usually more for the industry folks, the developers, and folks to kind of get together, um, you know, show off some of their new engine, their game engines, some of their technology, um, and really kind of meet and greet with others in the industry and kind of to showcase what they have and and to do some, uh, you know, getting together and, and working out some deals. So yeah, it's typically not something that a lot of people probably would find fascinating if you're looking just from a game playing perspective. But if you're looking from an industry perspective, wanting to see how these things come together to make a to make a program, you know, they go in deep details sometimes with like the Unreal Engine, um, and you know, Unity stuff like that. 
um, you know, how do, how do you go about creating these worlds? So I think from that perspective, it's, it's very, it's a very, it's a very educational type show. It, it kind of, again, it goes into more of the, the details and, and really it's about showcasing what they have and, and potentially selling some of this stuff to other um, developers and vendors and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's always kind of an interesting cerebral kind of experience. You get to kind of listen in. It, it kind of reminds me of going to college classes in some cases. It's not always there to really pique your interest, but to kind of show off things. So no, I think overall, I'm, I'm, the, the, cool, the cool thing about it is it does offer a different perspective than a lot of these other shows do. Um, so yeah, it's good to see how they'll do it virtually. Again, a lot of these things are typically in uh, conference rooms with PowerPoints and and stuff anyway. So the virtual experience for GDC probably works a lot better than it does for something like E3 or, or um, you know CES or any of those things. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how it goes and, and kind of get some takes as to you know the industry moving forward, gaming, how it's changing, that sort of thing. All right, and Justin, what do you uh, have to say on this one, please? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's it's not the type of show you're going to get, like, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be, like, big reveals or anything like that, but uh, if you're interested in kind of, like, the actual aspect of uh, game making and a lot of the things that go into it, I, I think there's a lot of interesting topics there. Uh, uh, Michael's completely right. I mean, stuff from how engines work to... Uh, programming to world building there's a lot of uh kind of under the under the hood kind of topics uh inside baseball i guess topics there that uh if people are interested in the actual craft of of game making uh, can be a really interesting interesting uh, place for those yeah it definitely is and so hopefully um Hopefully there'll be some good stuff coming out of it, and hopefully this time next year they'll be able to meet in person, which is uh, the goal for everyone. So that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in, and stay safe. We'll be back next week with all the latest news and topics, and until then, take care.